Cheryl Shaw, good afternoon. Welcome back. Thank you very much, Mark. It's great to be back. What is on your mind today we'll be talking about? Well, something everyone's been talking about, the weather and hot dogs. Oh, hot dogs. And Dr Dave's back for 2019. Look at you go. I'm back. You got something for did us today? Did you miss me? I did. I did. I did. <laughs> What's on your mind for Pet Chat today? Well, I've, I've had to do some clinical work, you know, get in the scrubs, work with the puppies. Yeah. And... Friday night, it was, I had three dogs with allergies. And I wanted to talk about a special type of allergy called anaphylaxis. We will get into that. We'll even learn how to spell it. Look, this is how we spend our Wednesdays around here. And it is Pet Chat. Cheryl Shaw, what have you got for us today? Well, you know, this weather has been incredibly hot. And not only does it affect us, but our dogs as well. And I want to just talk about something that concerns me greatly. It's the dogs that don't have the luxury of being able to go inside their house during the day. Because often, Mark, when people go off to work and they, you know, go out for the day, their dogs, the outdoor dogs, are in the backyard, exposed to all of the elements, exposed to the sun. And this weather is really, really terrible for dogs for a whole lot of reasons. And, David, do you have many dogs come in that have been in the backyard suffering Mm. from heat exhaustion? Very, very commonly, and as you said, over these uh, summer months. But it does even occur in winter. Yeah, because a lot of people, when they head out, their dogs are you know, maybe laying on the back porch or somewhere where there's some shade. And then as the sun changes its direction, the dog mm. doesn't have often any shade to go to. So we really need to look at what we can do for our dogs. I've had people say to me, oh, my dog's got a dog kennel that goes down in the kennel. Uh, but that like is a sauna. so bad. Yes, like a sauna, <laughs> a little hot box, no yeah. ventilation whatsoever. So, you know, don't think about the dog just being able to go into its kennel. Or, you know, another thing is garden sheds. Often people say, oh, I'll leave the garden shed open. But those metal sheds really heat up in this, you know, particularly this sort of weather we're experiencing. They're all non-options, aren't they, they for the are. day? But often people just go, oh, you know, the dog's got a place to go to. Whereas those little, you know, fluffies that are laying on the lounge in the air conditioning inside. I was, I was just about to remark about this strange world of outside dogs because my dog should be listening. Yeah, Amy. where's your dog? In the air conditioning, on the bed. Yeah. See, my dog's very mm. lucky as well. It's able to go inside and spend the time inside when we're not home. But there's a lot of dogs who don't do that because they either, you know, they could soil inside. They could be destructive dogs as well. So their owners want them outside. And a lot of dogs do live in their backyard. But we've got to be mindful in this weather that we need to make sure we're doing something. Now, I've got a solution. I reckon that this is a great idea. Not only just for um, shade, but also UV protection, because a lot of the dogs with, you know, sort of pale skin are very prone to skin cancers as well. Mm-hmm. Now, those shades sails that you can get, they are actually UV protected and you can erect them easily in your backyard. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, David? You're looking very yeah. concerned there. No, I was starting to think about putting sunscreen on my dog. Yeah, but your dog doesn't need it because it's inside. Well, that's true. And hopefully you're walking your dog early morning and late oh, afternoon because, again... 6am. Yeah, your breed mm-hmm. is um, yeah, very prone to having heat stress with that short nose. What are, you, what are you saying about my breed, my dog's breed? Your dog's breed, yes. That's a really good point because some dogs can cope with a higher temperature. Mm-hmm. Some dogs not so much based on the shape of their face. Yeah, so any dog with a little pushed-in face or a brachycephalic Mm. face, they're the ones that really do suffer in this hot weather. And, David, that's because they can't get enough um, air into into their lungs, isn't it? Well, panting, the way that dogs cool down is through panting. Mm -hmm. So they're moving air back and forth through their upper airways. And 
dogs that have got these pushed-in faces, the brachycephalics, and it happens in cats as well, Cheryl. We yeah. see this as well. They uh, have difficulty moving the air fast enough that uh, the tissue evaporates the moisture, which drops their temperature. So if they actually can't move enough air, then they're going to struggle in that heat. And it's kind of the balance between how much heat can they lose and how much are they either pulling from the environment or creating, like if they exercise. Yes, yeah. And so this is a problem and we need to make sure that when we're leaving our dogs in our backyard that you check out your yard, see where the sun goes through the day, watch that you've got enough shade areas and if not, maybe think about installing some shade cloths and um, even tub holins just, you know, as a temporary measure while you're trying to work out how much shade your dog's actually getting. But do remember these dogs are suffering in this heat out in the backyards. In that situation where you've got your dog that normally lives outside, if there really isn't a way to get some shade up, there's no trees, the the sheds are just going to be hot, um, what are some of the issues you can fall into by putting the dog inside? Okay, so if you've got a dog that's well-mannered, it's Mm. not going to urinate or defecate inside. But you've also got some dogs that will be destructive. They'll get into things while you're not there. Mm. So you've really got to know your dog, you know. Like my shoes. Oh, okay. My shoes. I have to pick up all my shoes. Yeah. They end up all over the place? Yes. But some dogs are really naughty inside. You know, they'll get lounges and just shred them. You know, you often see, you know, things on uh, where dogs have just got into mischief. They also ingest things. But a lot of the time, though, that's we're we're starting to talk about boredom. We're starting to talk about behavioural problems. So it's not that the dog is malicious. It's not that the dog has this kind of character fault. Again, it comes back to, you know, ownership, parenting, if you like. Yep. If your dog has behaviour problems or boredom problems, then address that as well. Yes, yeah. Yep. All righty. An, an important thing I've seen a lot of people do is, uh, you know, having multiple water sources yes. in case your dog knocks over the water. But I've seen people, you get their ice cream tubs, freeze them with dog food inside them or a toy, freeze them and then give that to the dog of a morning. So they spend the day licking this nice cool water, keeps their mouth cool. And we talked about panting. So they're actually going to drop their temperature as well. Yeah. And by the time that the afternoons come or lunchtimes come, they're down to the food, which is still going to be nice and cold. And it keeps them rewarded. So again, the boredom and behaviour problem Mm. means that you're addressing that as well. And you're right in saying about multiple bowls as well, because some dogs, if the bowl is lightweight, they can knock it Mm. over so easily. So, you know, having something of substance that's quite heavy so they can't knock it over, it's a great idea. Oh, plenty. There's plenty to do there for keep the dogs and, and even the cats as well uh, okay with these hot temperatures that we have, we've been having and will have for another few weeks. Yeah, but even the birds, Mark. Have you noticed mm. the birds with their beaks open and their little wings up so they're trying to cool down? Yeah. I like putting a sprinkler on, on, on of an afternoon just so the birds can chill off a bit. You're just an animal lover all round, Cheryl. I know. Not just the poodles. No, no. I got new fish at Christmas as well. So I've been watching their colours change as well with the heat because goldfish colours change when they get hot water. I can almost see a reality television <laughs> show with Cheryl. He comes, she comes around to your house and fixes the yard up. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, well, look, we've just got to keep those dogs nice and cool in this hot weather. To a new RFR 103.7 as we come back with Cheryl Shaw and Dr. Dave for a pet chat this afternoon. And Tracy at Belmont, you have a squealing cockatiel at your place. We do. He drives us crazy. Oh, goodness. Now, tell me, Tracy, this, this squealing, has it just started or has it uh, been a constant for you? Constant since we got him in March last year. 
Oh, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. And do you have any other birds? No, we don't, but he's a spoilt little bird. Um, he is. My husband will go and have a shower and he'll take him in there and you won't hear a peep out of him. Um, but as soon as, if my husband goes in to have a shower and leaves him out there in the lounge room, he squeals the whole time. Oh, okay. He squeals when we go into the kitchen when we can't see us, so it's basically when he can't see us that he will squeal, but then sometimes he'll just squeal all the time. Um, and he's normally in a cage except when he goes to have a shower, is that how it yes, works? it is. Sometimes we let him out and he'll fly around, especially at the night time. Yeah, and he's, how is he at those times? Does he settle down? He does settle down, yeah. Okay. So cockatiels, as we know, are Australian native birds, and they're a flock bird, okay? So they live in large uh, groups, and so he's part of the flock, and you're part of his flock as well. And so he's communicating with you all the way through, Um, and I'm pretty sure what he's saying is, where are you? (laughs) Where is everybody, and why aren't we all together, and why aren't we doing things together, and did you know it's lovely outside, and I'd like some food, and let's go do this, and let's go do that, and then when you're not there, he has to be louder, and um, obviously the times when he is, you know, with you, and he feels that that bond of, okay, I'm part of the flock, which is really a defence mechanism as well as strength in numbers, so he feels a little more vulnerable um, when he's on his own, and so he's communicating that as well. Um, Now, the difficulty is, of course, you've either got two choices, well, three, I suppose. One is put up with it. Um, Another one is, okay, let him out all the time and he follows you around the whole house, Um, but that may not stop the squawking. Um, completely. And then the other one is, what about some behaviour training? Uh, well, I wondered about that, and I also wondered, because we work full-time, so he's at mm. home by himself all the time throughout the day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, from about 5 o'clock onwards, we're home, and he's spoiled. But um, I was wondering, do we get another bird? I put a mirror in. He's got lots of toys. So mm. we leave the TV on for him, and we put the air conditioning on for him. These are all really good things and things I would certainly be suggesting um, as part of a way to mitigate. Getting another bird can sometimes be good, sometimes not, um, because it can introduce, you know, a whole set of other behaviours. It is possible to train them quite easily. And cockatiels are actually a breed or a species of bird that we see people train very easily. And it's simple principles of... Things that we might do if we were training a dog. We want to get them to do a certain behaviour. We have to break that down into different steps and reward them for the different behaviours. So, for instance, with a dog that's constantly barking, we might want to get their attention. And as soon as they turn their attention towards us, we give them a reward, which is often food. We can do the same thing with a bird. And then as that uh, focus and their attention and they're being quiet at the same time, as that timeline starts to stretch out, we continue to reward them. Now, we don't want to get into the habit where he just knows that if he squawks, he's going to get a reward. Um, but it's really if he does the things that you want him to do. So it could be that you start to teach him a few tricks. Um, you know, he hops on your hand, he gets a reward. If he dips his head this way and that way and does a little dance then you might start to give him a reward so it's really trying to introduce other things that fill up his time that are positive reinforcement um, and that are replacing his attention seeking behavior 
Okay. So similar principles. And there's quite a few good um, books on the subject and even, uh, you know, YouTube videos and so on about training a bird. And I'd recommend having a look at those things. And it's just breaking it down into all these little steps. So if you maybe try those things and, um, you know, who knows, in a year's time you could ring us up and say, well, now he does this and he sings a song on command and taps his feet at the same time. That might be going a little bit too far. Okay. Maybe. We'll drop the tapping the feet <laughs> we'll drop part. the tapping. Okay. As we jump right back into Pet Chat with Cheryl Shaw. Good afternoon, Cheryl. You're sitting there very nice and calm today. Just calm today. Mm. It's and nice Dr. to be back. It is. And Dr. David Tabbert, who's about to have a chat with Carol from Abermain. Carol, your mini foxy terrier just will not scratch, will not stop scratching. So you, your little foxy's uh, scratching all the time? Yeah, pretty much, except for when she sort of laying there basically asleep. As soon as she wakes up, she scratches. Mm, this that is a bit... Now, how, how long has this been going on for? Oh, probably maybe a month or so. Okay. All right. Uh, there's a couple of things, and we typically, um, you know, at different times of the year, we'll get callers and we see patients with uh, itching, and it's called puritis, P-R-U-R-I-T-I-S, uh, the itchiness. And dogs can really do some harm to themselves. They'll scratch right through their skin. Um, And if it's an area they can get to with their mouth, they'll lick and chew as well. So, you know, it's causing them a lot of distress. It's causing a lot of discomfort and really also making the skin unhealthy because when they scratch it, they're damaging the skin. Mm -hmm. So what's going on is that there's something that's triggering those nerve endings that is causing the itching. And you know, common things occur commonly. So the first thing is to make sure that we're dealing with fleas effectively. And She's um, on comforters. Excellent. So that'll that'll take care of pretty much most, you know, I'd say almost all the time we're, we're seeing good results, but you always want to be vigilant to make sure that we're not getting breakthrough. So, for instance, if she gets exposed to other animals or other locations, she could pick up a flea or two. And if she had an allergy, you know, that could trigger a reaction from one single flea bite. But this is a really important point that, um, you know, in this day and age, we've got access to some excellent products. And uh, Comfortus is an example of a really good flea control product that gives control all of the time. But a dog that has a flea allergy could still uh, have a reaction if they did get bitten. So important to be on top of that. That's good. And then... um, once we've dealt with that, then we probably turn to other reasons for her to be um, scratching. Is there a particular area on her body that she's scratching? I think oh, we may have just. Oh. Uh, I think we just lost connection well, with Carol and Darth Vader. Difficulty jumped in. there. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that um, for everybody, and hopefully Carol can catch us up. Is um, with a, a lot of dogs, for instance, if they're scratching and licking at their paws or on the on their back then we start to think about you know grass allergies that sort of thing if it's on their belly for instance underneath and it could be contact with things that they're lying on if it's um on the sides of their body and intensely itchy and this happens in puppies then we also think of parasites like um sarcoptes mite and that can also be causing those sort of problems so again the distribution is really helpful uh, I guess from treatment area, it's going to depend on what that cause is, but also just regular bathing with a um, medicated shampoo. And in some cases, for instance, with a grass allergy, just wiping their skin 
after they go outside, keeping a damp cloth nearby. When they come in, wipe down their feet, maybe wipe their back end if that's, you know, they've been lying on the grass because that'll actually reduce the incidence of this problem dramatically. Just those simple things that can make all the difference, David. Well, that's the start, mm. and then we get into a bit of the detail, but that's a really good start. And I don't think you can actually address these problems without doing the basics anyway. Because it could be something simple that can be fixed. And, and, yeah. and it's never one thing that mm. fixes it. It's always a combination. So we want to do as much as we can. To NURFM 103.7, as we continue with Pet Chat, uh, something that uh, many of the adults and kiddies suffer from is all sorts of allergies. I think I get it around 12 months of the year at least. But our pets, David, are not immune. No, this is, this is true. And as we heard from Carol, you know, with dogs, they can show this scratching, which is really an overactive immune system. So an allergy response is an overactive immune system, but it occurs in a lot of different, um, I guess, patterns uh, or styles. And so the one I wanted to talk about today was anaphylaxis. Now, I said, you, you have to write down what you th- how you think you spell it. And I'll with an it. A. <laughs> it starts with an A. Oh, my goodness. Is there an X at the end? No. No. <laughs> there you go. And keep, keep working on it, Mark. I'll come It'll back to you right. on that. So, so can you take us through what that so, actually looks like? Yeah. Um, so when we look at the immune system, just to break it down, is there's uh, these immune reactions. There are what we call five different types of hyper sensitivity reactions. So that's an increased reaction. And really the one we're most interested in now is this type 1. Um, so we'll start at the beginning, type 1. And that just means that uh, there's elements in the immune system where something enters the body. Let's call it the allergen. The thing that triggers the allergy is called an allergen. And so that enters the body. Now the ones that we most commonly see that cause this would be insect bites like ants, mosquitoes, uh, wasps and uh, bees. Bees are a little bit different. Okay, they actually contain a venom, and so they these other elements can cause the allergen to come in, and it gets attached to uh, certain types of cells, which then trigger a release of histamine. Now, there's a word we might have heard before. Very much so. Right. Okay. Yeah. So most people will go, oh, histamine. Okay. We don't know what it is, but we know that we... We know of it. We're all, we're all anti-histamine. Okay? We're, nobody's for histamine. No. We're all against histamine. Histamine's very helpful, uh, but if it overreacts, okay, it, what it does is it makes blood vessels leaky, and, so, and it can cause your airways to restrict, and it can cause all sorts of problems with blood flow. And so if it makes your blood vessels leaky, um, the fluid just leaks out, the plasma leaks out to the, under the skin. And it can show up as welts or hives. And to give it a proper name is urticaria. There's another spelling test for us. With an E. Starts with a U. <laughs> There's an E in there somewhere, right? No. No? There is no E in urticaria. Move on. Is it the way? It's my voice. It's my accent. You're saying it wrong. That's Ur- what, that's urticaria. All, that's all it can be. And so urticaria is hives on the body, but also they can get swelling around the face which is kind of similar, but that's called angioedema. We won't, I won't get you to spell that one. And uh, now dogs are really interesting. So with people with allergies, acute allergies, and if you think of things like peanut allergies and things like that, you get airway restriction, and that, that happens in cats. But in dogs, we don't see that very commonly. It can happen, but not so commonly. What we see with dogs is they start vomiting. 
And so we talk about this is the shock organ of a dog is the liver and the gut. And the shock organ of a cat is the lungs. And so that means that the way that this problem shows up is it's mostly the gut for dogs. So they start vomiting, they can get diarrhea. Interestingly, um, if this progresses, okay, and we're talking about maybe you get bitten by an ant, you don't have a reaction, or right to the other end, is you go into what's called anaphylactic shock. And that's where blood vessels now are so badly affected that they cannot hold on to blood pressure. And so your body now shuts down. And if untreated, you can die from it. So your pet could die. It's pretty rare. Pretty rare. We would see, I tell people this all the time, we see on average one dog every day with an anaphylactic reaction where they have hives. About one dog a month would have the vomiting and about one dog a year has anaphylactic shock. So, you know, on a scale of things, that's about what we see. And, in fact, in the last uh, 15 years, I've seen three dogs that have had the full anaphylactic reaction. Having said that, though, if you're seeing one a day with those early symptoms, I mean, that's going to potentially create a lot of um, panic for a lot of people because that's – is it just me or does that still seem a lot of people coming through? Well, you know, in the – When you consider all of the things that could be going wrong. Yeah, and what we do see is like the other night I said we saw three dogs in one night because it's this kind of time of year – You know, people are out, their dogs are exposed to more things, but it can happen at any time. You know, for any of us, we we could suddenly be allergic to something. We just don't know. And so um, for these guys, when we talk about histamine, you think, oh, we'd give them an antihistamine tablet. We all know those. Mm. The problem is the histamine's already released and done its thing. Mm, It's it's too late. So the best time to give the antihistamine is before they get stung or bitten. And if you can work that out, you'll make a million dollars uh, because you've worked out the secret to how to predict these reactions. So unfortunately, antihistamines, yes, they can be helpful, but it's kind of like shutting the gate after the horses, after the histamines bolted. So as to speak. And we know we're, we're anti it. We, oh, That's about it. <laughs> nobody, there's no pro-histamine group out there champing at the bit. So we do see some of these dogs. Actually, I had a patient in last night who needed to be hospitalised. Um, and, you know, when I said about the gut and the liver, we ultrasound them and we can see their gallbladder gets swollen. And if it progresses, they start bleeding from their organs. Nasty stuff. Um, a lot of the time it's treatable. And most patients don't go on to show further symptoms. Most patients, they might get some hives. If they're unlucky, they'll be vomiting and they might need, you know, they will need further treatment. But most of the time we know what's going on. And I usually say to people, look, this will happen again. There is no doubt. Will happen again. We might want to use some antihistamines, even though I've said they're not that great, but at least they'll stop it getting worse. So if you see it, you can give them. But if your dog gets this reaction and starts vomiting, you need to get to a vet pronto. As we continue with Pet Chat on the run up to one o'clock this afternoon. And Cheryl, I know you love this this part of the, the show. You get to talk about... Well, the dog of the week. The dog of the week. And he's a beautiful dog. I hope everyone has a look at this. It's Diesel. He's an 18-month-old Mastiff Cross Bull Arab, so he's quite a big dog. Um, He's 18 months old, male, and Diesel is a sweet boy who just loves to snuggle. He's very affectionate. 
Diesel hasn't had the best start to his life and he's looking for a loving family to spend the rest of his days with. His ideal family will be able to spend lots of time teaching him new things and providing a stable environment. Diesel has some basic training and he knows how to sit, to shake hands and come when called. He currently sleeps outside. He used to sleep inside and would love to sleep inside again. <laughs> he is house trained, David, so, you know, he's wanting to move in. Sounds like a few husbands I've been talking to lately. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a big plus if you have a friendly adult dog as a teacher, companion and playmate for Diesel. Diesel will need secure high fencing if you're not going to have him inside. Mm-hmm. So if you'd like more information, you can um, go to... Uh, adoptadogrescuenewcastle.com.au And as always, the information is right up there on our webpage at 2NURFM.com. Just drop down through your programs, lifestyle, and head to the Pet Chat um, uh, page and some information waiting for you right there. That can be a trick with some dogs, can't it, team, when when you need those high fences? Hint, hint. Yeah. Mm, I saw... um a dog recently who had jumped out of it. Yeah, the owners found him back in the yard. It's when there was a storm, mm. and they found him back in the yard. He'd broken his back leg. Oh dear! But he was back in the yard, and so he'd jumped out. And then when he was jumping back in, he's caught his leg on the fence. Oh dear! And broke oh. his leg. So yeah, he'd you know I wouldn't say he'd done the right thing jumping out, but it's just terrible. Yeah. Things things can happen. Uh, we just had a, a gentleman call in, wasn't able to hang on the line. Um, they've got a suggestion to keep the dogs cool, which is how we started the program. Give them water from the air conditioning outlet. Oh, I haven't heard of that. No. I was I just don't get, know. gauging your thoughts, David. I'd need to look into it. Mm. But isn't the point about air conditioning is that you're shifting heat outside and cool inside? Don't work for an air conditioning firm, mate. Can't help. <laughs> so I would have thought the water would be yeah. warmer, but I don't know. So, I'm, yeah, I'll look into that. But we look, we've got water. It's not like... Yeah, there's plenty know, of it around. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that, you know, in certain areas, certainly with even within mm. our listening area, there are areas that have, uh, you know, endured pretty mm. prolonged periods yeah, of drought. Oh. And so, or might be operating on um, tank water and things like that. Um so, you know, it might be worth investigating, but um, I, th- I think even just the freezing of uh, an ice block is actually a really efficient way to use water. I don't know, if you've seen my dog drink water, it goes everywhere except in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you eat lunch after the program, David. It's Not pretty me. much the same. <laughs> <laughs> no? Oh, dear. He's good, folks. I well, you, you got you to have a go. Are you having a shot at me while we're on? No, we're, we're all right. You but I... I, I just think the freezing is uh, – you can put all sorts of things in it mm. and it's keeping them cool. But the other thing is that because they're licking the ice block, most of the water goes in their mouth. So it is actually a really efficient way to deliver water for them as well. Mm. Um, and But don't use that and think you don't have to give them fresh water. You've always got to have it's multiple water sources. Yeah. yeah, That also comes back to when the, the sun moves, the shade moves. I mean, what might be shading at 9 o'clock in the morning might be – very hot drink at about three in the afternoon. Yes. Yeah. So the um, the other thing with the I just remember with the allergy thing mm. I was talking about before the anaphylactic reactions um, is that uh, we do I mentioned that it was type one hypersensitivity. We do see other types, and it's kind of like 
I always get these wrong. So if anyone's got a vet textbook and they're going to call me on this, please don't. <laughs> is that it's type four or type five is the itchy dogs that are getting allergies to grass and things like that. So it's all kind of all part of the same system, obviously. Um, and we know that, you know, say for an itchy dog, we could use antihistamines. Interestingly, we do, I have prescribed uh, dogs with grass allergies, antihistamines on a daily basis as a preventative. Remember I said they're not much good unless you use them beforehand. Mm-hmm. Well, we do that for dogs like that. But if it's a dog that, you know, might get bitten by an ant once a year, you don't want to treat them every day. No. 364 days just for the one day. That... And that, friends, is what's known as a backflip from Dr. David Tabard. Thank you very much for coming in. <laughs> sure, sure. Same to you. Right here on 2NURFM 103.7. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.